You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, ending 2022 in the same position that they started 2022, third place in the Scottish Premiership table. I am Laurie Dunsire for one final time this year, joined once again by my trusty, I won't go a sidekick, co-host. Mm. Trusty partner, Mark Donaldson. Yes, hello. Hope everyone had a nice Christmas. Happy holidays to all. Seven points from three games. Kelly at home and then two tough away games at Tannadice and McDermott Park. That's not a bad little Christmas present. Helped in part by uh, Jim Goodwin or Jim Bad Loss and his Aberdeen side capitulating um, and finishing the year in third place with a, a three-point gap uh, over Aberdeen and, and St Mirren is um, is something that when we were talking about where we would hope that we would be going into the World Cup, I think if you'd asked us the same question, where would you hope Hearts would be by the end of the year, you would probably say within touching dif- distance of third. So to be third with a three-point gap and a game in hand on, on Aberdeen, um, albeit that's against St Mirren, who have got a game in hand at Motherwell, plus they have to play us in in January. It's been uh, it's been a good uh, it's been a good festive period for the old Jam Tarts, is it not? Certainly has. Uh, in the end, there are some some downsides, some negatives yeah, to go under yeah. uh, to go over that we will get to this week. Uh, but yes, Dundee United against Hearts on Christmas Eve and St Johnston against Hearts on the 28th, the two games that we've got to cover since we were last on. Um, this week, I should say, uh, we got a message from Brian Dundas on Twitter who said, maybe um, you can get Mark to explain the difference between the Doom handball and Cammy's handball. One a penalty, one not, both checked by VAR. Um, we had a few messages similar to that about decisions. So what we've done this week is we have invited a guest on who is a former grade one referee in Scotland um, to chat about the decisions in the two matches that we're going to talk about. So Mark and I will have a little chat about some of the footballing talking points, but we're not going to get into the refereeing decisions until we have our resident expert we'll call them to discuss them so we'll get to that um but obviously plenty of talking points beyond the the refereeing decisions it's just the two of us and our our former referee to join us um ryan gonna join and now i'm gonna be fair here you know we know the second game we're gonna talk about hearts defeated ryan's current team 
Ryan, um, I think you'll know himself, didn't have one of his better games. I think he's been excellent for St. Johnson this season. However, him and a few of his teammates, I think, especially in that opening third of the game, weren't at their best, largely because Hearts were were very good. I think, although he's very open to still being part of the podcast, this is one of the situations where we've just played his team. He's had a couple of moments that have led to goals. Probably wouldn't be the best time for him to come on. I think that's fair. And and look, Ryan gives up his time and, and we love it when he's when he's on our podcast. The one thing that we we the three of us said, we never wanted anybody to feel uncomfortable at any stage after he moved to St Johnston and and when we get Ryan on the podcast is is a bonus. At t- this would be awkward. Um and I just we kind of all came to the decision that we could have pushed but I, I don't think it's it, it's worth it. If, if St. Johnston had won, I'm sure he would have volunteered to, to come on if there wasn't any controversy. And, and we would have loved to have, have him on. But, yeah, I mean, we, we'd never take the piss. We didn't do in a WhatsApp group as well um, afterwards. However, it just it, it would have felt slightly awkward. I'm sure he would have done it if we'd pushed him, but just we didn't feel it was the right yeah. thing to do this week. Yeah, well, I might take the piss a tiny little bit on this, but not too much. We'll be fairly gracious. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's get cracking. Up the field by Bayich. Stephen Fletcher going after it. He's in behind rolls here. Gets it down, left foot shot, and it's a wonderful oh, finish. What a finish. By Stephen Fletcher into the bottom left corner. It's his first home goal for Dundee United. His second this season against Hearts. A great finish in the end from the United number nine from range. And it's Dundee United one. Hart to Midlothian nil. Now finds Cammy Devlin. Michael Smith makes it on. Cammy Devlin finds him in the box. Smith slides it in. 1-1. Just like that. Hearts hit back. And it's first of the season for Michael Smith. Great play by Devlin to slide it through. And the right wing back picks out the bottom left corner. All square. Dundee United one. Hart to Midlothian one. Now Middleton, edge of the Hearts box. Onto his left foot. Does well to pick out Levitt. Right foot shot. Rotten right corner. It's a lovely goal by United. They've started the second half with a bang. And it's Dylan Levitt with a nice curling right foot finish after the setup play. And it's a good finish from the Welshman. And it's United two. Hearts one. Shankland to take it. 94th minute at Tanadice in front of the United fans. Shankland steps up, scores to the right of the goal. 15th of the season, 8 from 8 from the penalty spot. Hearts are level here. You're listening to Scarves That Are In The Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sight and print solutions since the 1950s. So, Dundee United against Hart and Midlothian mm. on Christmas Eve. As I said, we're not going to get into the refereeing side of things because we're going to review all of the decisions and the refereeing after so let's just talk football um mm-hmm. hearts started with uh halkett kingsley and cochran in front of craig gordon only one of those four players would make it through the Ooh. game without going off injured tanadice and injuries for hearts it's just an awful combination just now um and it was a game in which Stephen Fletcher caused Hearts a lot of problems. 20th minute, uh, fired United ahead. It looked a, a very good strike. It was a decent strike, but it was very much helped by deflection, which took it away from Craig Gordon. And uh, he did highlight 
there are still deficiencies, especially at the back for Hearts, in particular mm-hmm. when obviously Craig Halkett had gone off early on. When we look back at the two games at Tannadice in the calendar year, nine injuries in total. I've done that math. I haven't done the math that suggests how many different defensive pairings um, or three in a row or how many different combos of defenders have we had in those two games. And and with that comes a, a lack of stability. So it maybe isn't a big surprise that, that we have conceded the goals that we've conceded. The other thing I would say, this might be my favourite fixture. For the games that it's produced over the last four or five, both at Tynecastle and Tannadice, it's just a really, really good fixture right now that so far over the past five or six games has generated a lot of, of good play, but a lot of entertainment, Laurie. Indeed it has, and Hearts contributed to that with their equaliser four minutes before the end of regulation time in the first half anyway. Michael Smith finishing a nice run. Uh, Hearts utilising the the wing-back roles quite well. We'll mention it when we get to the St. Johnson game also. Uh, similar to, to what Celtic do in extent as well, you know, create that overload in the final third, get those wing-backs inside. And it can be very creative. And I think that's why Robbie still... Um, he can't completely drop that 3-4-3, can he? We've, we've, we've had a 4-3-3 quite a bit recently, but this system does have its advantages, especially going forward. This is his preferred system, and where possible, and I know we've we've been without Halkett and, and Kingsley's had concussion of late, we now have enough players in reserve to come in to still play this, because the reason that, that he likes it as much is he loves the overlap. He, he, he loves having additional players getting involved in a, in attacks and basically outnumbering, whether it's a seven-on-six, whether it's a six-on-five, a five-on-four. And, and the wing-back's ability to not just play in that position, but being flexible. I mean, Halliday can play left-back and left wing-back and infield. Michael Smith can play as a centre-back, a right-back. He can play as a right midfielder or a wing-back and get forward, as he did when he scored that goal. It just gives you more flexibility. And it is, I always love, I mean, having commentated on Atalanta for many years, the number of goals that they scored wing-back to wing-back, uh, whether it was Castagna, Joachim Mela, uh, Remo Freuler, or whoever, there's, it's such a, when you're not expecting it, 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 it can be such a, a strength uh, and very hard to, to defend against if you get it right. But you've got to remember, when you lose possession, you have to get back pretty quickly. You've got to know where to go and who goes where if your wing-backs have gone forward to an advanced position in field. Thankfully, with the Michael Smith equaliser, it was just a really nice goal. Certainly was. There was a big talking point before we got to the end of the half, and we will get to that in our middle segment of the podcast. But at the break, it was level at 1-1. Poor start to the second half. And again, just highlighting the defensive deficiencies, I think we've got you know, most of our good attacking players back, you know, Liam Boyce is obviously still a big miss, but we've got a lot of attacking options. And when we're going forward, we're very good to watch. We've been effective. We've scored a lot of goals, but just poor defending again. I don't know if it's that reshuffle has again had an impact, but allowing arguably Dundee United's best player to Mm. just kind of walk up to the edge of the box and just stroke the ball home. It was just a very frustrating start to the second half, especially after Hearts had kind of exerted themselves on the game after a poor start had got level and you felt this is the time to kind of push Mm -hmm. on. 
he's a super footballer, isn't he? And I'm, yeah. I don't know if we were ever interested in him. I would have loved to have seen him at Tynecastle. Um, Levitt, the Welshman, I think he was from Manchester United where they had him on loan and now they've, they've made that deal permanent. He also scored the opener in the previous game at Tannadice when Hearts won 3-2 back in April. That goal that he scored early on in the second half, I'm not sure how reminiscent it was. It just felt similar to Ryan Edwards' goal, just allowing too much time because Edwards scored from distance, didn't he? Back in in April in the three two game, yeah, he scored from distance that. against Hearts a few times actually. Yeah, and it's kind of know your players. If a guy's got that in his locker, but more importantly, he's done it against you before, then come on, a little bit more streetwise and just too much time for Dylan Levitt to to do what he did. He's a talented player. The chances are he's going to hit the target. Whether or not he scores, then then that's different. But I mean, go, go back to the Fletcher goal just briefly. Craig would have saved it if there wasn't a deflection, but there was, and, and yeah. it, it probably looks better than it was because it was going to be a save, but it ended up in the back of the net. We, we did well to get back into the game. Good time for a goal with Michael Smith. And you go in it, into the break at 1-1 and, and you're building up, right? You've got the momentum and then you get hit by this hammer blow two minutes into the second half. Yeah, but I mean, an even bigger hammer blow, arguably. Oh, 22 minutes left to the 90, one-on-one uh, -on -one between Fletcher and and Gordon, again, we will get to the decision itself when it comes to what was given and then overturned. But for now, we talk about Craig Gordon. I mean, it's just a, a horror one. I hadn't realised initially just exactly what happened. Obviously, we're quite a distance away, but um, you start to get concerned when he stays down. And then, obviously, when pictures start to come out, you know it's a bad one and you just... You know, you, you feel for him personally, you feel for, for Hearts as well, obviously, because he's been our best player since he's come back, a tremendous keeper, and just such a such a blow for him, for Hearts, for Scotland. It would have been his first Christmas at home um, with his latest arrival, with his, his wife Summer giving giving birth, and he spent it in Nine, Nine Wells Hospital. So, just, just gutted for him, and Robbie has been to see him a couple of times. I know he's out now, Craig, but Robbie went to see him on um, on Monday and they actually had a discussion, among other things, about who was going to be the, the new captain. Obviously, we know now it's going to be Lawrence Shanklin, but Robbie wanted Craig's input because Craig is the club captain. Um, as far as the injury is, is concerned, it's a bit trying to stay positive, isn't it? I mean, this isn't a 21-year-old worrying if he's going to play the game again. This is someone that's been through some serious injuries, has had a lot of knocks in his career, has trained as a goalkeeping coach with Dumbarton thinking his career's over, but never gave up, never gave in and came back. So he's he's got the history of having been smashed, knocked down, but then managed to pick himself up. So there is that. I sent him a message with, uh, with the dates for next season. I sent him a message with the European dates for next season. And as quick as a flash, the, the reply came back, you're too late. That's already in my phone. So there's your, that's Craig. There's your your kind of guy who is is trying to be positive. It, I mean, the, one of the biggest things for him has been the, the shite quality of food at Nine Wells. He wasn't happy. And I got, I got a picture of what looks like, I mean, it, is it a casserole? The potatoes look like they've been used at Wimbledon and been rehashed and, and whatever. Wimbledon's um, bad enough anyway, let alone hospital. <laughs> but do you know what? It's the dark humour. It's the kind of, I've got two options here. I can feel sorry for myself. And, and look, 
we've all been there. We've all had dark moments, and I'm sure. And and it's it's the positive mental attitude, which is it's very difficult. And he's got a picture of his leg that he sent me, and got all the details, and and it, it's it's grotesque. It it really is. I, I still I'm glad I didn't look at the picture. I've seen the one with bandages on and everything like that, which is um, the one he sent me, which is a lot better um, than the the one that was doing the rounds on social media, which I, I just couldn't I couldn't bring myself to to watch. But look, he's he's a positive lad. Um, the the doctors have told him that his his uh, time frame is maybe a bit optimistic. But why not? Why not be optimis- uh, optimistic? Yeah. Why not be someone who's kind of right? Ideally, I want to be back by the start of the season. That's probably unlikely. I think in an ideal world, we're all he's determined, he is absolutely desperate to play again. So anybody that's saying, oh, that's him done, it'll only be done if a doctor says to him, look, it ain't happening. Until that is the case, and I don't think it will be, and I hope it isn't going to be, I think his target has to be playing at least one European game for Hearts next season, which would therefore mean he breaks the record. Now, if that's in December, that would be 12 months um, since it happened. He's He'd love to be fit for the start of the European campaign if we qualify for that, um, and that would be kind of September again. That's probably being rather optimistic, but again, if you can't be optimistic, what's the point? You've got to be, and uh, I mean, <laughs> I actually went to see someone, I know this is completely unfootball related, but um, a previous neighbour of mine very unfortunately broke his neck um, earlier oh, this dear. year, and was told he was going to die. Was told oh, make make arrangements. You you know you've not got long left. Um, he got past that. Was told you know to be paralysed. Well, managed to to get past that point. Was told he won't walk again. Got past that. You can't go back to your house because it's up a big flight of steps. Uh, so this was eight months ago. Uh, Why I went did to he see change him. his doctor? I went to see him just well. It was the it was the hospital he was at. It wasn't just Jeez. one, but um, I went to see him. Uh, just before Christmas, um, up his steps to see him, answer his door. Um, you know, he's not, he's not, uh, he's not got the same movement in his arms as he used to. But he opened the door, let us in, up and down his stairs. Um, went and made a cup of tea, came sat down, and so I think. And he said the big thing of him was to try to stay positive. You know, he was told told a few times that it was all doom and gloom. But you know, well, what use was that? You know, just accepting it. So. Obviously, everyone's different scenarios, but I think yes, yeah, I think Craig has to stay positive, and I think you know, knowing what he's like without without knowing him personally, I think he's going to fight and he's going to try and come back, and I think you'll have not just uh, an entire sport of hearts, but you know, a lot of Scotland as well because he's still heart, uh, Scotland's best keeper as well as Hearts. So uh, yeah, obviously, all best wishes. He only needs to go on social media; he doesn't need us to say it. But you know, there's thousands of people rooting for him and giving their best. And yeah, I think he'll be given as much time as he needs and as much chance as possible to to come back because he's still our best goalkeeper. He's just he's just out injured just now, that's it. I was thinking about comparisons um, the other day. Andy Murray, for example, came back from a metal hip inserted um, into his body. And, and one of the Bryan brothers has, is probably the only other person that, that has been able to do that in tennis. But the common denominator here, they're all in their 30s. Now, Craig turns 40 on, on Hogman 8. So this is this is going to be a big achievement for him to come back because a 40-year-old's body is is going to take... I, I don't know, I'm not a doctor or anything. I don't know how long that would take to heal something 
longer than if it happens when you're 20 or, or, or 30. I, I don't know. But from a mental perspective, it it's not going to be easy, but at least you have experience to, to call upon. And this, I've been through this and didn't think I was going to play again. And I was able to. So, I mean, when you look at the the kind of mileage that's that's on that's on the clock as far as Craig Gordon's career is concerned, it's not as much as others because he's been out for a while with injuries and he's come back. So hopefully that will help him as well. Um, and there's a lot I can't go into with regards to, and I wouldn't go into with regards to the conversation that him and I had. But the the, the one thing that I I want to mention is one of the biggest issues that they had prior to doing the operation was not having a long enough nail to insert during the operation that would help the the bones kind of heal they yeah. found one but it would have been a different operation had they not have had um the the requisite um length of of nail uh, to be able to 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 do the the they still could have done it another way, but you just you don't think about that, do you? I mean, this is it's a double break, yeah, and it's 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 hard. So he's home, he's with his family, he appreciates it's going to be a long road to recovery, but he knows that everyone's behind him. I've made sure of that, and, and we got a message earlier today. The scarves are in the funnel uh, Twitter account with a whole host of his best saves. It was only a couple of minutes long. I'm sure it could have easily have been 20 minutes long. And the suggestion was hopefully we can can pass it on to Craig. We did. Um, and he was very appreciative of the the um the videos. And his response was, I hope I've got a few more to add to that yet. There you go. In terms of the football, um Hearts managed to come back and it wasn't a, a great performance by any stretch of the imagination. But they got themselves a, a late penalty, which Lawrence Shankland duly converted. As he does, we will talk about the penalty award shortly. Um, but I guess one thing to cover here, obviously, with everything Hearts had faced in this game, so you know it wasn't a great performance. Um, their captain and best player going off, Halkett and Kingsley also going off injured. I think to then dig out a point. I know it's you know Dundee United haven't had a great season. However, it's still a team that won four nil to their last three home games. Mm-hmm. I think it shows quite a bit about the character of that team that we still left that ground with a point, despite not being at our best, despite losing three key players throughout the game and not playing, you know, anywhere near the standards that we can do. I think it says a lot about them. Livingston at home, Motherwell at home, Dundee United at Tannadice, Kilmarnock at Rugby Park, all games as well as St. Johnston at home, that within the last 10 minutes, sometimes within the last five minutes, sometimes within stoppage time, we have developed, and I don't really want to use this term, but I suppose you'll understand when I do, Celtic-esque tendencies to not know when we're beaten or not know when only a point's enough to keep Mm -hmm. going. And it's admirable. And it's not just a Celtic thing. The best teams do it. I'm not saying we're best or anything like that. I'm just saying it's a mentality thing. It's like keep going, keep going. And when you when you're in opposition to a team that know that they're never beaten, or know that they're they're never out of it because they could still get time to to get another goal somewhere. That's powerful. That's really powerful. And the fact that we have we've got a habit of doing that, especially in the last six weeks or so, with those goals against um, 
Livingston and against Motherwell and now against Dundee United, that's a good habit to have. It certainly is, and it meant the Hearts at least earned a point going into their Christmas Day dinners. And Lauren Shankland scored eight from eight from the penalty spot this season in front of the Ormond stand. We'll get the chance to give Hearts the advantage here. Scored from the spot at Tynecastle against St Johnson back in August. He scored from the spot at Tannadice at the weekend. Can he do it again against Remy Matthews from 12 yards? Shankland into the left corner. And it's goal number 16 of the season for Lawrence Shankland. And Hearts are ahead. Snodgrass inside the centre circle. Patient stuff from Hearts. Here's George Grant again. Halliday moved central. Plays it through. Forrest in the box. Left foot shot. 2-0. Lovely passing move from Hearts. From back to front. And it's slipped through to Alan Forrest. Who just coolly rolls it into the left corner for goal number five of the season. And with 13 minutes left of the first half, it's St Johnston nil, Heart of Midlothian 2. And it will be Stevie May against his former team, Alexander Clark. May steps up, down the middle, and St Johnston get one back. It's fifth of the season for Stevie May, and it's St Johnston 1, Heart of Midlothian 2. The other substitute on the ball now, Barry Mackay, midway inside the St Johnston half. Takes on McGowan, skips away from him. Mackay, right foot shot. Oh, oh, what a Barry Mackay, magic again! Skips away from McGowan and sends an unstoppable right foot shot that flies into the bottom right corner. Third of the season for Barry Mackay, third of the game for Hearts. St Johnson won, Hearts 3. Shankler dropping deep once more as he has done quite a few times but he's lost the ball that time. Here's Murphy, right foot shot, it's a good finish by Jamie Murphy. And Saints have one back, it's the substitute Murphy after Shankland lost the ball. Nice low finish from Jamie Murphy into the bottom left corner. It's his fourth of the season and it's not over yet here. 11 and a half minutes left. St Johnson 2, Hearts 3. Okay, let's move on to the game that took place on Wednesday as Hearts travelled to McDermott Park. Having failed to win away to Saints in 15 attempts dating back to the Scottish Cup fifth round replay in February 2012, um, seven draws and eight defeats at the stadium since then. And in almost 21 years, it was just one league win at the ground. So not a good record, but finally, finally we'd get put to bed. Um, now, again, like the Dundee United game, we're going to talk about the refereeing decisions uh, with our special guest very shortly. Uh, in terms of the football, five changes for Hearts. Gordon Halkett, Kingsley Smith, Mackay out. In came Clark for his first start against his former side. Civic Rolls, Forrest, Grant. Interesting. You know, we saw it. It was a 3-4-1-2 that Robbie set up. Clark in goals. Civic Rolls, Cochrane back three. Forrest right wing back. Halliday left. Devlin Snodgrass in the middle. Grant in the number 10. Janelli, Shanklin in attack. Um... Maybe some eyebrows raised by this, but you've got to credit Robbie Nielsen here because the way he set up um, and the way the team played in his opening 32 minutes, I thought was was absolutely superb. As good as I've seen him for a long time in the first 20 minutes. I got a message from Stuart Lovell pre-game. He was asking about, have you heard any team news before the official lineups were out? Because he was covering the game for 
I saw Sky. Him. I saw him there. And yeah, he sent me a message um, after he got the team. And he's like, oh, five changes. Can he fancy a team that have just made five changes? I'm like, well, hold on. Some of them are enforced and obviously a new goalkeeper, but he's he's, he's someone with plenty of experience. And that's Lovell. Lovell's like negative Nelly. He's a pebby and everything like that. And he just tries to wind <laughs> you up. But I was like, well, it gives Alan Forrest, guys like that, a chance. Um, George Grant, who's come off the bench a couple of times, it gives him a chance as well. And and Civic coming in, um, I think I think we, we, you and I, when we were messaging during the week, we kind of we pretty much guessed the back three. I think everybody could have guessed that. It's all we had in front of Xander Clark. So again, it's it's a defence that's never played together before. But to take the game to St. Johnston, to be on the front foot, how many times on this podcast over the past couple of years have we bemoaned not having a slow, uh, a quick start and yeah. asked for uh, for them to come flying out the blocks? That was as, as good as I've seen and delighted when we when we went ahead after 14 minutes. Indeed, uh, George Grant probably should have put us ahead, uh, somehow missing from about four or five yards, hitting the post uh, with almost a gaping net in front of him. But Hearts did go in front. Um, handball by Mr McGowan, we'll get to that. Uh, penalty converted for a 16th of the season by Lawrence Shankland. Now, he's living up to the expectations in terms of goals. Um Two things I want to talk about with him here. One, as a number ten, um, Robert Warwick said afterwards he was a bit like he was like Liam Boyce, and he's right. Mm-hmm. He was. He was dropping deep. He was putting some nice touches. He was linking up. I know it. You know, he gave away possession. Although I think it's a lot to do with the pass he received for the Saints' second goal. But I thought he was brilliant in that in that role. And one thing I thought was very interesting. Um, I chatted to Ryan after the game. We were just chatting about a few things about the match. And we mentioned Shanklin as captain, and we said, you know, we we were a bit surprised when we we, we had we had a we had words that we thought it was going to happen, and we were surprised it was going to happen. And Ryan said he was surprised, but he said during the game because he was on the pitch, you could hear him. He was issuing instructions, he was shouting, he was constantly talking. Um, he said he felt like Snodgrass was kind of organising things behind the midfield, um, and the attacking players. He said Shanklin was shifting them one way, shifting them up. Shift them another, telling Janelli where to go, tell him to come, tell him to go, moving things around. And he said he was quite impressed with that. So I, I think I've underestimated Lawrence Shankland um, in terms of his all-round game beyond goal scoring and the fact that he's got a bit of leadership about him as well. I didn't expect him to get the captaincy and I didn't know what to expect when he got the captaincy. I was very surprised um, and very pleasantly surprised by that, but not as surprised and pleased as I was when you messaged me and told me, having spoken to Ryan, how he was as a captain, Lauren Shanklin, as you've just mentioned, uh, cajoling, helping, talking. That is is something that when you are with players on a training ground, it's like we, we, we speak about this quite a lot on this podcast. You see a lineup on a Saturday or a Sunday or whenever, and you're like, why? There's reason. There's obviously a reason why. And Robbie and the coaching staff have obviously seen someone when they've had to look at who's going to be the captain and they've seen something that they think, you know what, that that he's got the attributes that that it might work. And the proof of the pudding's in the eating. There's, there's questions about why wasn't Halke, who's the vice captain. The I mean, the bottom line is he wants Robbie explained it, he wants someone that's going to play every game and Craig's injury issues and everything like that. Maybe the, the timing favours Lawrence Shanklin, because if Halkett hadn't got injured at Tanadice, I think I think he's just the obvious choice. Because you go from vice captain to, to captain, 
he's on the pitch. You don't have to worry about injuries, but once that injury took place and you know that you're going to be without him for a few weeks, you're you're, you're on the lookout for someone else. And would he be my first choice? Probably not. Um, uh, Snodgrass is, is someone who's very vocal during games. Michael Smith has the experience. Stephen Kingsley, another player. Um, but it looks from a small sample size that Robbie's got this one right. And certainly he got things right about the way Hearts set up at the start. And they got a second goal in the 32nd minute. Wonderful goal as well. It's been shared online quite a bit. The Hearts Twitter account shared it as well. 18 passes yeah. around the team all the way um, from uh, goalkeeper Xander Clark being involved, the defence being involved, right through the middle, ending with what I really love. And this is I said it a few times last season with the wing-backs when they went wide and got into attacking positions, but the way they come central as well, similar to Michael Smith at Tanadice, it's Andy Halliday coming central and Alan Forrest coming central. And they're the two that link up. Andy Halliday slipping the ball mm -hmm. through and Forrest just knocking the ball in the net. Um, wonderful move. And I think it just showed how well Hearts have set up in that game. And it's great to see Alan Forrest. He's, you know, he, he's been a bit, a bit part play in the last few months. But he still looks like the type who will come in and if you ask him to do a job, he will come in and he will still give 100%. Very reliable, isn't he? And the goals mm -hmm. that he scored earlier in, in the season, he took that one well. Speaking of underestimating things, whether it's Shankland as captain, how, how many of us have underestimated Andy Halliday and, and what he has brought to the football club? Um, when he first signed, it was like, oh, that's, that's decent enough signing. But he's he's becoming an integral part of of the way that, that we play with his leadership and the way that he plays and same as Snodgrass uh, again once he got up to full speed this season not having to travel to Europe because he was ineligible uh, I know that initially Robbie and the coaching staff and Joe Savage were they, they identified players that they want to bring in that are going to make hearts money you can't just because a lot of them are all young or younger or more inexperienced there has to be a kind of a balance. When you get the chance initially to sign Andy Halliday, when you get the chance to sign Robert Snodgrass, makes to total sense. And and that goal from, I know it was wing back to wing back, but I like the way that, that we do it now with our wing backs because most of the time we'll have a defensive wing back or more of a defender as a wing back. And someone like Forrest, when he plays, is he's basically a winger who's, who's tracking back there. So you, you need to have someone behind him that's that's confident. Um, Toby Civic has come in and he's, he's done fine. And, and prior to, I mean, I remember being at the RFS game at Tynecastle, fans were singing his name and that did him the power of good. But if you remember, I'm sure the away game that I was at in Switzerland when Halkett went off, was it not Civic that, that came on? Or whoever came on, but down that yeah. right-hand side with Atkinson. And so you were like, ooh. But Forrest, the tracking back as well, the work rate. I, I just, I think he deserves credit. So does Halliday. And I think Robbie and the coaching staff deserve credit for whatever they said to the players to, to start the game and, and to be 2-0 up. Um, and Alan Forrest getting that goal just after the half-hour mark. Then it got slightly interesting. It did. Saints came into the game. Um, Hearts got pressed a little bit deeper. Uh, it's one of these, and it's quite. I was watching Robbie through a lot of this, and he was going mental. By the way, Robbie Nielsen suits that proper buzz cut. He's gone shaved it completely. I think it suits him very well. Looks looks pretty hard as well now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to mess don't, with him. Don't ask me for hair advice. Move on. <laughs> 
But in terms of, so that spell at the end of the first half, I know sometimes you'll see people going, oh, it's Nielsen gone, he's trying to defend the lead, he's going too deep. He was going berserk, the players. Um, they kept giving the ball away, they weren't stepping out. He was just fuming. He was he was literally jumping up and down on the spot at one point, just getting mad that he turned around and stormed back into the, the dugout. Sometimes it's a natural consequence of a game. You know, teams gone 2-0 down. They had changed things just before that. Uh, Ryan got put into midfield with Alex Mitchell coming on for the injured um, Melker Halberg. So the dynamic had changed a little bit. Saints had to press. That happens. You know, St. Johnson are a good side. They're not just going to roll over and take a defeat like that. They're going to come back into it. So I think there was an element of... St. Johnston starting to push. And also, the Hearts players just lost a bit of confidence. Their their distribution got poor. They kept giving the ball back. And it was just a, a bad spell. I certainly wouldn't say it was a tactical thing for Robbie Nielsen because he was doing his very best to tell his players to try and get up, uh, to, to push out, to hold the ball better, to at least calm things down. Um, Saints got a penalty, which we'll talk about shortly. It was missed, which meant Hearts went in 2-0 up at the break. Um, the second half, barely even the you know Saints having to chase the game made it reasonably open it's a very controversial penalty 10 minutes into the second half that is converted by Stevie May again I think similar to talking about Fletcher against Hearts for the Dundee United game I thought Stevie May was very good shouldn't have had a penalty we'll get to that but it did highlight some slight deficiencies I thought at the back I mean Kai Rose is a good player I thought at times Stevie May gave him a bit of a hard time on Wednesday Mm-hmm. You did. I don't think in the second half we offered the defence enough protection. I thought we were yeah. too easy to get to for them. And we knew that they were going to to have a go because they had nothing to lose. Um, that would be one. And it's it's a lot easier to find, not fault, but to pick out one or two things that you can do better um, when, when you've won a game. Um, that would be something that if Robbie Nielsen's getting upset at the way Hearts were in certain stages when they were ahead, he'll have noticed that and he'll have seen that there wasn't enough protection, um, Cochrane, Rolls and, and Civic, and it was it was too easy at times. Um, the penalty, well, again, we'll, we'll chat about that, but it got them back into it. And I, I don't like the phrase a tuna lead, it's, it's one of those, I hate that, it's a dangerous lead. It's not, give me a tuna lead any day of the week. But it can be a lead if you concede that you do lose the momentum that you've built up from from those two goals, and it became a very different game after Stevie May made it two one. It did, however, Barry Mackay came on, oh, someone who's oh. who I think has looked sharp since the break. Um, yes, on the bench for this one though, but he came on, and in fairness to Ryan, he's on a yellow card, which I think is why he has to not let. Mackay go past him, but he can't make a, f- a full-blown challenge on him. And Mackay knows that full well. Skips past him, um, and it's a wonderful strike. 60 seconds after coming on, great strike. Great to see him back on the score sheet and looking like his old best. And um, yeah, just a wonderful moment, albeit not for our um, occasional co-host. <laughs> well, first of all, I think Callum Davidson got it wrong by not deploying Ryan in a midfield role. Uh, I'm not saying Hearts would have started any differently if Ryan was in there, but he wouldn't have probably been in the position to give away the first penalty and, more importantly, pick up the yellow card, which which hindered him throughout. And he yeah. did move into a midfield role when Mitchell came on for Halberg in, in, in 26 minutes. But, but you're right. I mean, Barry Mackay has that ability. We've seen it before, and he just glides. I think it was the correct decision to, to start him on the bench um, because it was the type of game that, 
it was going to be more of a trench warfare game and to have someone like him to be able to come on and potentially have a moment of brilliance or do something. We've seen him from the start, most games, but I I like the substitution, um, the double substitution. I thought it freshened us up with Michael Smith coming on for, for Forrest because the deficit had been cut in half eight minutes prior. But Barry Mackay gave us the a more attacking um, and, and, and kind of he gave us more of an option um, going forward. And it, it's a brilliant goal. And you're right, he has been better um, since the since the break, but he was tired going into that. So it's it's a super goal. And then at 3-1, you're thinking, right, okay, that, that's a decent lead. And then, no, well, it wasn't enough. Well, 11 minutes to go. And it's, I, I, it's unfortunate for Shanklin. He was dropping deep to very good effect throughout the game. Um, I think in this point, Rolls shouldn't give him the pass that he does. He's got three St. Johnson players closing in on him. Um, so as he picks the ball up, you know, facing his own goal, what forty yards or less from the Hearts goal, it's a very tough position. And and St. Johnson do what they should. They close him down, put a quick tackle in. It falls to Jamie Murphy. A decent finish by the Saints sub. However, I think Xander Clark's a bit unsighted because the ball goes through the legs of Kai Rolls. So it's a bit unfortunate, but it makes it nervy. And I, like I said at halftime when we're two 0 up. I said, this ain't going to be a comfortable win. Either we're going to chuck this or we're going to be leading by a goal and they're going to be chucking everything at us in the closing minutes and we're going to be sitting all nervous. And sure enough, it was the case. I thought it would maybe be 2-1, but 3-2 it was into the closing stages. Um, but we got the win. And I think one player I want to mention, there was a lot of good performances. One player I want to mention who I thought was tremendous in this game. And I thought he was really key when things did start to get a bit frantic. And that's Robert Snodgrass, mm. who again, I thought was a good signing, but I think I underestimated just how good he could still be for us because I think his composure sitting in the middle of the park really helped everyone calm things down when it was getting a bit frantic, the ball was pinging about, the game was getting stretched, which is what St. Johnson wanted as they chased it. Just calm things down. Don't just blast up the park. Don't give it away. Hold it look for a pass, keep possession, get into space again. And it just kept Hearts ticking over. It took out, the, took the sting out of things. And I thought he was man of the match for me. Robert Snodgrass played in the English Premier League um, as most recently as the 4th of March, 2021. It's not even two years ago. He played in the Championship after that for West Brom and, and then for Luton. And despite the fact that he might just have turned 35 in September, he's as close to a Rolls-Royce in the middle of the park now that he's mm -hmm. got his fitness back up as we're going to get. And it's another, it's another super signing. I have to say, I was concerned at the, at, at the yellow card that he'd picked up. Um, and when his number, um, didn't come up when Keo Mertzoglu came on for Ginelli, um, instead of Snodgrass. You kind of thought, well, is that a gamble? Because Snodgrass, again, going back to the lack of protection at times in front of the defence, when Keo came on, I thought, okay, well, he's, he's going to get help here, Snodgrass, when it became clear he wasn't the one being substituted. And then you saw Keo kind of playing behind the striker and, and playing in an advanced role. You're just like, whoa, hold on a minute here. Snodgrass, he's, he's been there, he's, he's, he's done it, he's, he's worn the T-shirt. He just, he gets it, he knows but you have to have people on the same wavelength as you. When Beckham came over here and other top stars have come over here to Major League Soccer, at times you're playing with players that are 
very inferior to you, and you're asking them to to make the same runs as you expect from from a much higher quality of player. Snodgrass gets his surroundings. He's integrated with the squad very well indeed, and I thought he was absolutely outstanding in that game. I did worry towards the end that he wasn't getting enough help um, in there. It was like him against the charge of the light brigade, but he managed <laughs> it very well, and and I thought he was he was absolutely excellent. He, he was indeed. It kind of echoes of when Stephen Naismith first came as well. That yeah, he'd been he was. Mm-hmm. Lots of Premier yeah, sure. League experience, most recently in English Championship, and just that level above with the intelligence, the knowledge to know where to run or where to play the ball, etc. So, helped Hearts over the line to a really big win. Um, and what it does is not only does it end another hoodoo after getting that <laughs> killy home one off our backs, sticks us in third place, which I think... Uh, you know, Hearts should. That was always going to be the aim this season. But when you consider everything we've been through with injuries and European football and being off form, I think it's it's such a good way to end the year after what could easily have been um, a completely different story. Yeah, and we said no excuses. And granted, we've picked up some bad injuries already. One especially especially bad, but no excuses because we're we're playing as often as others. We're, we're not playing. Thursday, Sunday, and, and things like that. So we find ourselves in a position now whereby we're looking upwards and we're seeing Rangers as opposed to looking upwards and seeing Aberdeen. That's where we want to be. But that makes the Hibs game even more important than the St. Johnston, the Dundee United, and the Kilmarnock game. And not just because it's a derby. If we can win that, and I know we've got back-to-back against St. Mirren, let's not get carried away with ourselves but having played Rangers and Celtic um, pretty recently before the World Cup break, this is where we can we can go about our business and show why that we think we should be the third best team in, in the league. We can think it. We've got to go and show that and prove it now. So it's over to them. Indeed. Uh, big three points for Hearts. Good way to end the year. We do still have... Um, some refereeing decisions to talk about. So let's let's get moving to the next part of the podcast. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk Okay, next up, we are now going to look at some of the refereeing or the officiating from the two hearts matches that we've just been reviewing. We've obviously <laughs> saved these moments for this segment of the podcast because we've got an expert on to assist us. Um, we are delighted to be joined on Scarves Around the Funnel by former Scotch Grade 1 referee and now part of the Get Involved Referee podcast. It's Des Roach. How are you doing, Des? I'm very well, gentlemen. Thank you for inviting me on. Um, I hope you're both well. We are indeed. Uh, we've been looking forward to this because you know we're 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 just fans, commentators, punters, uh, moaning about officials. Uh, sometimes it's good to to get someone who has been in that position and obviously knows um, knows that role better and knows the the laws of the game better than most. Uh, how uh, did it come about that a former referee ends up doing a podcast? You you would think referees might want to try and. Get away from that. Get away from that side of things as soon as they've stopped being a referee. Given um, how much stick they tend to get. 
Well, Laurie, the first thing I've got to say there is uh, it's the first time I've been called an expert at anything in my life. <laughs> uh, but regarding regarding the podcast, uh, it, it really was nothing to do with myself. Um, David McDonald, who owns the Ten and Ted Podcasts uh, Studios, involved Steve, and Steve and I have been friends for a for a number of years. Um, he asked with a mind coming and having a chat and we just had a chat and recorded it and all of a sudden it became something something pretty decent. Um but what I think that we both have is we have got no agenda. We've got nothing to hide mm-hmm. and and nothing to um to save, etc. But we can try and give an answer to the football guys and football punters and say, well, I think that's why it's happened. But I'm also quite happy to say, no, I got it wrong. Um, so, yeah. so we've got no, I don't mean no allegiance. We've got friends, obviously, who are still involved. But I'm not going to lie to the public. If somebody asks my opinion, I'll give them my opinion. Whether they think it's right or wrong, then it's up to them to take that on on their own merits. Um, but yeah, um, ask my question, I'll give you a straight answer. <laughs> yeah, you do it with, so it's uh, yourself, Des, and Steve Conroy, the other former Group yep. 1 referee. Um, you can follow uh, Get Involved Referee Podcast on Twitter. It's at Get Involved Ref, and you can listen to it on Apple, Spotify, um, and YouTube, and on the website. So uh, give them a follow and have a listen. Uh, certainly from what I've heard so far, it's very enjoyable, very honest, which is, which is good, because we don't hear... A lot of that from current referees. I understand it to an extent, but it'd certainly be interesting to get a bit more um, feedback after games and after decisions. But we'll get into that. Right, Des, let's start with Dundee United against Heart Midlothian, which took place on Christmas Eve. Now, this was a game full of talking points, um, full of goals, unfortunately for Hearts, injuries as well. But we'll, we'll get started with the first big debate which was around the Hearts penalty that was awarded uh, late on in the first half. So this is after Hearts had equalised into out of time at the end of the first half. Um, shot towards goal by Cammy Devlin and it's former Hearts player Arno Jume who's sliding and blocks it with his arms. Uh, referee shows um, no hesitation in pointing to the spot. However, after a lengthy VAR review before the referee gets the word in his ear, and then a lengthy review off-field where he watched it, uh, multi, I think it was in a double figures amount of times it was rewatched in the end when we saw it replaying over and over, it was eventually overturned. Um, and this is still a bone of contention with a lot of fans, this penalty decision. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, I've got to say, uh, the uh, my first viewing of it, it's not a penalty. The the Anojim is making a genuine attempt to block the shot from Cammy Devlin, uh, which is entitled, absolutely entitled to do. He has his supporting arm close to his body, um, which again is a is a natural position. Um, so I agree. Uh, sorry, I I think that it shouldn't be a penalty. I think Colin, um, he was caught. And the decision is it is it the feel for that decision or is it the law? Under the law, it's a penalty kick, unfortunately, because there is no 
there's no definition within laws of the game of deliberate or intentional. Um, it's, it's never a penalty. What are you going to do if you're going to go and slide for that challenge? It, it actually reminds me almost a bit of the, the Portugal-Uruguay game at the World Cup. Where can that man have his hand at that, at that particular time? Um, no, I think we need clarity on challenges like that. Um, and you're also taking away the skill of the player and the skill of the referee to make a decision at that moment in time. But no, for me, never in a million years is that a penalty. Why do you think he's given it initially? Because I think now referees have been told that if it hits your hand, it's a penalty. And I would much rather that if they just came out and said, if you anywhere in your arm, hand, below the T-shirt line, in the penalty area, if that strikes you, it's a penalty. But until they do that, then nobody will have any clarity. Nobody will have any um, understanding of why they do and why they don't give decisions. But there are parts of every law that have stipulations that suggest it's not a penalty if. One of them is a player that falls to the ground or goes into a sliding tackle needs to protect himself using the support of the arm. So should a referee not go into a match knowing that, yes, most handballs now end up being penalties, but there are instances whereby that can't be a penalty because there is a subsection in the laws of the game? Well, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Um, his arm was supporting him, but if Collins went and gave that straight away, he's not implemented that decision. And then the fact that he has to then go and overturn it, then you go... Well, you got it wrong. Mm. Which yeah, I, I, I think I, it just took so long though. That's, that's, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it took forever. When I first mm -hmm. saw it, I have to say I thought it was a penalty. Um, when I saw the replay of it, I, I, I did change my mind. So, in some ways, people might say, "Well, well, there you go. That's what's there for you know first interpretation." I guess yeah. My issue was so first of all, it obviously gives it, and then there's a lengthy review of of um, the VAR. Uh, in the in the VAR office in Glasgow, um, before they send Colin Stephen to then review it, and then Colin Stephen watches it, and I I can't remember off the top of my head, but you can see how many times he played. It was and I I it was seven eight nine maybe even double figures. He kept watching it. So again, and we said it in commentary, we're like, so what's he looking for? What's he seen differently? He was right in front of it when it happened. Someone else has watched it multiple times and told him to watch it again. He's now watched it, so he's seen it in real time. He's seen it again, seven, eight, nine, in double figures of replays. He's watching it, and he's still not sure about it. So that, to me, was a bit of a concern. Now, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, Des, and I've, I think I've probably brought it up on here before. I don't know if you saw the very brief, it was like a half an hour BBC VAR documentary they did. Which, I did, um, yes. It was quite interesting. Some of it was kind of obvious stuff that we already knew. But one bit I found very interesting, they, they showed one of the youth games that they tested VAR on. And I can't remember who the referees were in this, so I do apologise to them. But the, the referee on the pitch gave a penalty um, for a slight tackle. And in the VAR room, the referee re-watching it said, I think from this angle he got the ball. I don't think it's a penalty. But then he said, but... It's quite it's quite a tight one to look at, so I don't think it's a big I don't think it's a clear error. You know, I don't think it's a penalty, but he's given it. I don't think it's a clear error, so I can't overturn it. I can't overrule him. So okay, well for one, kind of defeats the purpose a little bit. You're saying that you don't agree with him, you think he's got a touch on the ball given the angle you've got, but he didn't have the angle, you're saying it's not a clear error. 
Is that what they actually apply? Because I don't feel they do apply that. I feel sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. There's one, there was a red card at Tincast for George Grant where I felt, I still don't know if it was a red card because I've not seen a good angle of it. And I felt like, well, the VAR then probably said, I can't, we've got, we've got what, six cameras. There's not a good angle. I can't overturn Willie Collum, I think it was, who gave it um, because of that. However, with this one, the penalty, is that is that, the, is that saying that it's a clear and obvious error? I thought it was just an interpretation thing, that one. Yeah, well, that's what the that's what the difficulty comes because there's a difference between interpretation and application of the law. Now, if, if you get called over to come and have a look at it, the VAR referee is obviously saying, I disagree with you. I think it should have been something, it should have been something else. And that's that's undermining the referee who's obviously made that decision in the first place. Now, if you need to come across, and I would say I like to think that I do the strength of character, if I'm coming across and I'm having to look at this two, three times, then no, I'm not accepting it. I'm going to go with my own decision. Um, and it's, it's, it's almost killing the game because yeah. the clubs are then going to look at it, the players are going to look at it, You'd like to think the Scottish FA look at it and go, wait a minute, we're making an absolute codzera this. So if you can look at it for the first time, okay, two or three times, I can accept that and go, do you know what? I might have got that wrong. And I'll put my hands up and say, yep, guys, got it wrong, not a problem. But if you need to look at it for four, five, six minutes, then come on, you're ripping the absolute backside yeah. of it kill momentum as much as possible they've gone long here Fletcher on the end of it ball through Gordon comes out gets to the ball first oh the penalty's been given he got to, he got to the ball into the second half uh, there's a big moment unfortunately for Hearts captain and goalkeeper in Scotland goalkeeper Craig Gordon um, it's uh, going to keep him out probably for a year we don't know what the future might hold for him here but uh, into the second half, there's a long kick out by Mark Birigiti, the Dundee United goalkeeper. It ends up sending Stephen Fletcher through on goal, um, and there's a coming together, a collision between Craig Gordon and Stephen Fletcher. And I have to say, in commentary, I was astounded when Colin Stephen, without hesitation, once again pointed straight to the spot. Because one thing you could see is Gordon got to the ball first. I thought that was evident. You know, he got to the ball, you could see the ball changed direction and then they came together. Um, now, we've already spoken about Craig Gordon and the injury before this, so we're not going to get into that. But in terms of the challenge, Des, in terms of that coming together, what did you think of Colin Stevens' decision-making to instantly, without hesitation, give a penalty kick there? Again, unfortunately, I thought it was the wrong decision. Um, you can clearly see the ball spins off to the left. And Craig Gordon got there first. Um, and I'll be let's let's be upfront here. I don't think Stephen Fletcher or Craig Gordon were malicious in anything. No, it it no. was just a coming together. Um, both international teammates who have who have known each other um, and dreadful to see, but it was never a penalty kick. And the ball, you can see, if Fletcher's going to be there first, the ball would have went forward. Craig Gordon's got there first. And the ball has went to the side as he's tried yeah. to spread himself and be bigger. Um, so no, it, I'm not going to. Hide. You can't hide from it. It was what a wrong decision. Seen? What do you think he's seen? I don't know what he's seen. Sorry, okay. what I would be thinking is 
why is the assistant on the the, the far side mm-hmm. at Tannadice? Mm-hmm. Why is he not offering an opinion? Yes, to come in and say, well, because he's obviously got to be in line with the second last defender, so he's probably got the best view on it. Why is that not? Why is that opinion not being offered? So in terms of now, this is I I do not agree with this, but playing devil's advocate, I know a few Dundee United fans have said it's not the fact that Craig Gorn got to the ball, it's the way he challenges. Now, I don't think this is what Colin Stevens saw, but this, so their angle is that Craig Gordon was dangerous, he's off the ground, um, the way he jumped in. Now, my perspective is, it's slightly different with a goalkeeper, he doesn't jump in, he he jumps up and goes towards the ball, which he's obviously using with his kind of chest and his hands as he gets there, and it's slightly different for a goalkeeper coming out to claim a ball than it is for mm. say a striker or a defender uh, that that's just like it or don't like it that's just yeah, the sure. difference in the way goalkeepers challenge for the ball and outfield players do it is, is my view des but what would you say to it's mainly Dungeon united fans have seen saying it that craig gordon was reckless and dangerous and it was that part of the challenge that was that is why it should have been a penalty and a red card no no i don't think so at all i think um a goalkeeper within his own penalty area, he's allowed to make himself large and that's what he's tried to do. If you're making yourself large, you're making the, the area that you can obviously try and score over and you're making that uh, making that smaller. Um, I think Craig Gordon was perfectly entitled to challenge like that. Are you going to come back to 1999 and Peter Schmeichel? Because that's that's the way he done things and that's the way goalkeepers now go. Yeah, That's, that's entirely... That's entirely acceptable. Um, but again, I reiterate, I don't think Stephen Fletcher's made a foul of him. It's just a no. natural mm. collision. It's a natural collision. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's came to, it's just a ball down and start again, isn't it? It's just an unfortunate physical circumstance between between two players. Cochrane curls in from the left. Player down in the box. Shanklin felt his foul. Penalty given. <laughs> really? Really? Sorry, I, I, honestly, I... At first viewing, that doesn't look like a penalty to me. Did not look like an awful lot in it. It will be checked, so... Listen, possibly, there might have been a man on Shanklin's back there. There might have been, but that I'm surprised he's given it. Let's move on from those uh, first two penalty decisions and on to the final one, which <laughs> I, I think this one could be a brief one. I don't think... I, I, I feel like there shouldn't be much um, discussion about Let's go to St John's game. Yes, it's a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> what the the, the Shankland one? I thought it was a penalty. Yeah, you thought it was a penalty. Yeah, this is t- this is terrible. You're the referee. I'm the I'm the, the Hearts fan. We're, um, we're the we're the biased commentator and fan. We both think we, it's, it's the softest not, thing we've seen. I thought it was very soft. The Shankland wow. one. What what have you seen that makes you think? Or would you give it? Yes, you say you would. What have you seen to give it? He's got the two hands round him, and he he's holding him. But what that happens at corners all the time. Was a cross. Do you know what I've got? Yeah. Do you know what I've got in my note here? I said if it was a corner, it would never be given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why why is it given like that? Because is he going to get I the think, ball? Well, is he not going to get it? If he's not been held, is he is he not going to get it? I can't believe we're arguing it. I mean, I can't believe, I, can't believe, I can't believe the Hearts <laughs> fans listening to this will be telling us to. Fuck off and the same the referee oh, I'm knows what he's talking it. about. I'm taking it, but by the way, we can now argue the, the, the topic what's softer? That one or oh, the St. Yeah. Johnston one in Perth? Well, he, well he's I probably mean, gonna 
Des is probably going to give the St. Johnson one as well. I, I wouldn't have given either. Um, I'll, we'll come in St. Johnson one, but no, I thought the Shanklin one. I thought the Shanklin one. Okay. Uh, so, listen, okay. Look. It's not. It, it's the old. It's the old adage. What's the difference between a soft boiled egg and a hard boiled egg? They're both eggs. It's still a both boiled. They're both still a boiled egg. It's like a penalty. It's a soft penalty. Do you know I've Robbie Nielsen no, said no didn't think it was a penalty? He I know he didn't think it was a penalty. Did he? Um, I, I need to fight. I am certain Robbie Nielsen said he didn't think it was a penalty. The Shanklin one. It's easy to be magnanimous like that, though, isn't it? Well, if you're winning, if you're getting a draw from the clutches of defeat in the last couple I mean, of minutes, like, you're going to. I took it because I, I thought the referee had a, a very poor game. Um, the other things, okay, well. well Fair. I'll take. I'll take that. I'll take you. I'll take your word on that one, Des. Hearts penalty. Is, um, I'm not gonna it I told. I told you at the start. You don't need to agree with it. I'll give you it, and it's up to yourself. But oh, no, I, would, I was okay with that. I was okay, okay. with that. That's fine. Annoying, I, mean, I was okay with it in the end. But well, we all were. The annoying thing is, we can see that ten times, and you'll probably get it given once, maybe twice, and the other eight or nine times, you won't be It won't be given. And you, you were talking on your podcast about the. The, the, the handball incidents involving Joe Wright and I think James Sands, was it not? Um, and saying they were pretty similar, yet there were different decisions. That's the frustrating thing for supporters. Because, I mean, it's like saying just offside. Well, you're either offside or you're not offside. That's a soft penalty. Well, it's still a penalty. But if you're going to give that, you've got to give them all. And if that means giving them all, you're going to get 10, 20 penalties in, in every game. And it's just the incon- they're consistently inconsistent with the decision making. That that's what annoys fans. Yeah, and that's what we've said all the time. We just want clarity. You want confirmation of of what's going on. Um, and for me, it, it, it can only come back to to one place. It can only come back to the headquarters. And what is the coaching being given? And what is the advice being given when different situ- sorry similar situations are having different outcomes? don't know but it can all come back to one place very briefly want to touch on something that i put on twitter but not everyone who tunes into the podcast is on twitter so this is one that really annoyed me in commentary and this is one that i think takes away the subjective nature of certain things we've just spoken about we've seen that we've disagreed slightly on certain things but this one irked me a lot because i was in touch with the um with the studio we we're getting near the end deciding how much longer we'd have um we knew the gordon stoppage was minimum eight minutes nine minutes so it was best part of 10 probably and we're like so we're gonna have what we're gonna have well it's gonna be absolute minimum 10 minutes because Stephen fletcher was down before that so we could be looking at 12 minutes maybe 14 15 minutes at a time we're like christ yep we're in for a long one here and the board came up to signal seven minutes of added time at the end of the game and we were dumbfounded to be honest everyone was looking at each other going wait a minute that can't be right we've not even been we've not even been clock watching and we can tell that's wrong so i went back and i looked at the second half i looked at two things in the second half in fact i didn't even go through everything um stephen fletcher went in so two incidents back to back pretty much stephen fletcher goes down and then there's the incident between him and gordon those two incidents himself totaled nine minutes and 52 seconds of stoppages um there's at least two more substitute breaks there's a lot of time wasting because colin stephen actually books the dundee United goalkeeper for one of the time wasting moments because he's been doing it over and over again and there's seven minutes added. Now, okay, Hearts get an equaliser in the added time, so it might feel it's not impacted them. This isn't necessarily a moan that the officials have been up against Hearts. This is purely a thing that's um, obviously hampered Hearts here. 
But it kind of, how can you have faith in them to deal with these tricky decisions, the subjective moments, if even not without watching the clock and adding the time together, we knew they were at least three or four minutes short of the minimum that should have been put up. How can an error like that happen, Des? I can't, I can't explain. I can't explain. Um, it's between the between the fourth official and between the match referee who decides on on the time added on. Um, I really can't. If you're the referee, so if you're calling Stephen in this instance, I think it's um, fourth official's Graham Granger. So when's the when's the added time being confirmed? And has that been? Do you still do you have to give that the green light? So they say I think there's seven minutes. So you okay with that, or is it just? One person tells the other, or how how does it work no. exactly when you're out there? Right. So, so what I would expect between myself and my fourth official, or if I was acting as a fourth official, about eighty, about eighty-five, eighty-six minutes, I would have the conversation saying, "I'm thinking of five minutes, three minutes, two minutes, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Do you agree?" So they've always been watching the game as it's been going on. So. It's it's got to be a, a collaboration between both. Um but for that instance, if Craig Gordon's obviously been down for obviously such a length of time and Stephen Fletcher down, seven minutes is ridiculous. That I mean you're looking they've just watched the World Cup and we're seeing games being extended by nine minutes, eleven minutes. Um I certainly think that for somebody can down with an injury as substantial as Craig Gordon and the time it's taken to remove him the field of play. You'd be looking at 10, 12 minutes straight away. Um, but that's a conversation between both the referee mm-hmm. and the fourth official who should be making that decision. Uh, and again, unfortunately, I don't think it was Colin's best day. Um, that was probably, that probably was a wee cherry in the cake, getting the, getting the added time wrong as well. We'll see it again. George Grant does really well to flick it towards goal. I think McGowan's arms I think his arms slightly out. out there yeah yeah and it is a penalty to Hearts right decision it right looks decision. to be the correct decision his arm is out to the side and it's a yellow for McGowan as well and it'll be a yellow card for Ryan McGowan okay let's move on to Hearts next game which was St Johnston away and that was on Wednesday we've spoken about the goals and the performance as a whole, but let's get stuck into the decisions and the three big decisions, which of course are the three penalties. Uh, Hearts got off to a very good start in this one, Des, and um, unfortunately, it's our co-host sometimes on the podcast who's um, Scarper this week, who gives it away. Uh, I have spoken to him since. He felt slightly aggrieved at the penalty, um, but he did say as well, um, he asked me afterwards because he hadn't seen it um, where was my big lanky arm at because I couldn't actually tell <laughs> what did you think of the first penalty the cross comes in, George Grant puts a little flick which I don't think uh, Ryan's maybe expecting and it catches him on the arm as it kind of flaps out from his side I don't think you can, you can question that one I think it was a handball unfortunately for Ryan George Grant, as you say he's put that wee flick on it but the fact the arm then extends in a in a natural reaction, um, I don't think you can hide from that. I think that's a penalty kick. That's just that's just the nature of it now. But yeah, yeah, it's a penalty kick for me all day long. I agree. I have to say, 
um, unfortunately. It's a, the, one thing about these, and, I, and I, it's not necessarily saying is it the letter of the law or not, one thing with those moments I find a little bit harsh. Now, I actually thought Ryan could have been booked before it. We're not going to get into that. But there was a tackle where he could have been booked. It was maybe lucky it was quite early in the game. Like he gets nasty bastard, <laughs> doesn't he? He gets <laughs> he he gets booked for this. Now, it could have been a sending off if he'd already been booked. And I know that you get yellow carded for these. Does that not seem a bit harsh? Now, I know it's a penalty, and I agree it's a penalty. However, he's not tried to handle it. He's not deliberately put his hand out to block the ball going towards goal. It's just unfortunate he's put his hand out a little too high and that's where the ball's flicked to. I don't think he's expecting it. Is it just me or does it feel like that? that is a little bit harsh when the referee brandishes yellow? And then he doesn't brandish a yellow for the next penalty, the one against Hearts. I think it's extremely harsh. As, we, as you just said there, it's not intentional. It's it's reactional. What, is he, what has he done to, to to hurt anybody what has he done intentionally to stop somebody moving forward to me a penalty is a sufficient sacrifice for it yep handball penalty kick play on um, I certainly wouldn't be wouldn't be looking to give MD a caution for that um, I don't I think that's very very harsh Ryan McGowan's went to close the player down if, if, if I was the manager and my defender didn't go to that position then you'd be raging You'd be, yeah. you'd be entirely upset and go, well, there's your job. But the ball's hit him. And that's, again, always doing it. If you hit the ball, it's a penalty. If the ball hits you, it's not a penalty. And that's where the, the differentiation and the interpretation and the applications of law for me are wrong. On the flip side, though, it meant that Ryan McGowan couldn't put a tackle in on Barry Mackay for Hart's third goal. So it's okay. It worked out okay for us. <laughs> Second one. Now, this one, everyone was a bit confused at the time including the St Johnston players and Hearts players, St Johnston and Hearts fans, uh, because play had continued a little bit more. This is a cross from the right-hand side. Cammy Devlin goes to block it. At the time, there's no claim. There's not really much happening at all. There's a kind of second phase of play. And then there's word of the VAR. A uh, bit of confusion. Um, my feeling is, as soon as I see the referee go to review something, currently in Scottish football, that means a decision's getting made. It's not going to be ignored. That's my current view. If he gets sent to that monitor he's given a penalty or he's given a red card, whatever he's going to look at. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? I actually felt this was also the right call. Yes, so at the time, I thought it hit his foot. I think probably like most most like-minded people. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, that has got to be the best VAR call in Scotland that we've seen this year because nobody's seen it. Fair, fair. Nobody, fair. And no, nobody was looking for it. But when you look at the television evidence and you, and you look at it, it is the most clear and obvious one mm. um, that that nobody would ever have picked up. Nobody would have picked that up. So mm-hmm. if you're going to if you're going to um, castigate VAR for things that are wrong, then do you know what? That's the that that's that one is correct, and it's the one that most people never seen. So in my opinion, I think that's the best VAR decision that we've seen this year. Okay. Um... It's a handball, and it's well spotted by VAR. But it's not given initially. With only six cameras at non-televised games helping VAR, eight at Ibrox and Celtic Park for Rangers and Celtic home games, 
that aren't on TV. How can you categorically, not you, it's like, it's like you are defending this. It's you are representing you. all referees. Yes, exactly. I was about to say, was about to say goodness <laughs> me. You. I'm, My goodness. I'm, I'm sitting here in a tin hut. <laughs> <laughs> How is it possible, Des, that they can categorically say that that, with the, the TV, I mean, we're going back to the Motherwell Celtic game, I think it was, with the Jota offside, that because the camera that was meant to be in use for that was focused on the the match, um, I think the dugouts at the time, they had to take another camera for it. So how can they categorically say, albeit it's handball, we've seen that, but there's a, surely there's, there's enough dubiety into where that incident took place Knowing fine well that the the line is considered inside the box, there is nothing there that you can categorically say that is definitely inside the box. If you give it, you can't overturn it. No way. But because you've not given it, you might be able to see the handball. But how can they say that that is definitely inside the box with that camera angle? Because we've only got the six of them. Well, I would, a couple of things I'd come back on that. We both agree that it's a handball. Oh, sure. Right, and when you look where the ball struck, where the ball struck him, it's it's only millimeters. It's inside the box. However, the referee missed it. The assistant referee missed it. The fourth official who would have no call on that whatsoever missed it. But the guy in the studio has looked at it, has seen it, and has called it correctly. He's called it correctly as a handball. Yeah, but. You you saw the you saw the different angles in the World Cup the Japan ball that didn't cross the line even though ninety nine times out of hundred it looks like it had called it but there was one angle that shows hey the whole of the ball has not gone out of the pitch because that one angle was necessary every other angle showed that that was not um, that that ball was out but the one correct angle we didn't have that correct angle so angles can make things look different from what they actually are. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely agree. However, Scottish football is not putting the the money into it exactly. to allow us those different angles. So we can only work with the technology that we have. And from the technology that we have, it's a penalty kick. I think referees in Scotland are being asked to do something to the best of their ability, but they're not given the actual tools to be able to do it to the best of their ability. Again, go back to something that, that you and Steve talk about regularly on the podcast. How, And this is in defense of referees. If you're asked to do a job different from the job you had before, fine, you adapt. We all have to. But you've got to give referees sufficient tools. And that's the frustrating thing. Look, the, the likelihood is it probably is inside the box, but there's no categorical clear evidence that it might look inside the box, but that's not the referee's fault. That's not video assistant referee's fault. That's at the top. That's that's introducing something into Scottish football that's that's half arsed. If you're going to do something, do it right and introduce it at the start of the season, all bells and whistles, and not a kind of half of what you need. That's a problem. Well, you you've just gave my gave my own advert there. Oh. I, I don't think it should have been involved halfway through a season. I think if you're going to do it. Do it correctly. There's no point get in there. If it's a hundred pound job, why get in there with fifty quid? Go and do it correct. Go and do it correctly. And if you're going to have referees, and they'll be critical, and they're having their judgments. If you're going to assess a referee and assess a referee on his own merits, then give them the tools to do the job. 
is absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, there's no way it should be involved. And why is it only limited cameras at Celtic Rangers, Hearts, Livingston, whoever it may be, that's different from Manchester City, Manchester United, Juventus, Barcelona? It's the same guy doing the same job. So give them all the opportunities. The technology, the technology is there. The technology works. It's how you use it and and how you uh, apply it. Listen, I could have an iPhone. My son, who's ten years old, can operate it better than me. But I'm then going to sit with an iPhone or a computer schedule and watch a game and get it wrong. No, it's got to be education. That's the education to use the technology and make the correct calls and not even just make the correct calls, give that assistance, give that opportunity. Mm -hmm. If you don't give them that opportunity to get it right, then you're never going to be right. I agree. It's ridiculous. And what's also ridiculous, and I'm certain you're going to agree with me here, Des, is the final penalty award early in the second half for Stevie May with the ball bouncing up in the Hearts box. Um, Robert Snodgrass brushes up, maybe a very slight brush, and Stevie May somehow manages to fall the opposite direction. Um, and referee gives a penalty. Civic sticking to his task for now. Graham Carey still going as well to get the cross in. Headed into the air by Rolls. Stevie May onto it, goes down under a touch of Snodgrass. And a penalty's been given, I think. Yeah, it's a penalty. Looked like an awful lot in it, and a yellow card given to Robert Snodgrass. That didn't look like much in it in first view, but we'll thoughts. Oh, Snodgrass, Snodgrass is brutal there. That's that's a penalty every day. He's absolutely thrown oh, to the ground. Come on, <laughs> you're lying. You're winding me up now. I jest. You're winding me up now. I jest. As I say, I've seen more physicality at my youngest son's seven-year-old gymnastics. Stevie <laughs> May has absolutely thrown one there. He's I thrown agree. one. I agree. Yep. Yeah, but I, thought, I did think it was maybe a bit good to try and throw one there to wind you up. Well, yeah, because well, I, I didn't agree on the Shanklin one. I thought I thought the Shanklin one was almost as soft, not quite as soft, but um, I would have I would have been happy with neither getting awarded. But I thought that one was. Um, but what? Stephen May was Stephen May was a marshmallow there. It was so <laughs> soft. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that could be a good title for this week's podcast. Um, <laughs> but. Is that one where so they didn't there was a there was a review obviously it didn't get put to the monitor to look at it again. Is that one where um for for Willie Collum um it's Grant Irvin in the uh, in the VAR room has just said that it's your interpretation. I I, I can't see it enough to overrule it because I thought as soon as I thought it looked very soft and when I've seen the replay I've basically been like fuck off come on now I thought it was soft in first view and I thought okay maybe the replay is going to show he had his hand on his shirt or something but how can Varna you know we've given him credit Grant Irvin the VAR for spotting a penalty that no one had no, no one had even claimed for not even St Johnson or their fans but with that instance could he not have intervened there and said to to, to Willie you might want to look at that again I don't I don't really think there's any contact um, I, I was, I'm, I'm a school teacher. I'm a, how do I, am I allowed to swear on this? Um, you can yes. swear on this, yeah. I don't know if you, maybe you can't on your one, but you can swear on this, yeah. If I was the VAR, I'd be telling Molly, go and for a fucking look at yourself. That's never a penalty. <laughs> 
which leads to can Willie Collum be told? No. There's the problem. <laughs> There's the problem. Yep. That's that that is the problem. Willie's yeah. <laughs> Willie's been around so long. When I when I worked with Willie um, in games, listen, he's a nice guy, not an issue. But he is so nah, tense. That's, that's gotta get that's gotta get reviewed. Willie Collum's a nice guy. Mark, he is, yeah, actually, isn't he? surely that's getting reviewed. That can't be. That can't. That's going. That's going to far. <laughs> Hold on, Des. We're sending that to far. <laughs> and no, the far it, today is is Willie Collum. Willie, what do you think about that? <laughs> Willie's a nice guy, right? However, he's been groomed by the SFA, been trained that he was going to be the top man since he was a young boy, and when you do games with him, he's he's so on edge so uptight he'd be asking you he'd be demanding of you which is which is entirely correct be like well you're the man in the middle you make your decisions Someone, and i'll help I heard, you. A, I heard a player an unnamed player um mention that's oh, willie call him he, you know, he always got such a hard on for giving a yellow card so you just know what's <laughs> gonna come but now he's going to be fourth of no, no, i don't know i don't know that well <laughs> <laughs> Right, before we let Des go, because this, this is just our little middle bit. We're just trying to review the decisions. We've got 20 minutes chat that's ended up um, like war and peace. Uh, very quickly on a couple of things. A, fr- a friend of mine messaged when he knew that we'd have a former referee on. And in your opinion, um, was it reasonable to introduce VAR in the Scottish football without any sort of fan consultation at all? Um, that That's quite difficult because how much are fans involved in any consultation? within Scottish football. Which is VAR, fair. However, I would say, at the point of it yeah. getting brought in, I think most people really were against it. Uh, me included. Um, I just didn't like the idea of it. And it's actually far worse than I thought it would be. It's It's gone well beyond the disaster I thought it would be. Um, but it, ultimately, it's the fact, you know, it's, the fans are the customers for, for everyone, for the clubs, for the referees, the players. They're the ones that that come in and and, and make it so. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go back to my, my very first stance um, when we said it in the podcast and it, it had been reported in, in the press. I would never have brought VAR in until next season. Not a chance. Which, yeah. How, Which I think, how, but yeah, yeah. How can you have a game on, call it the 12th of August, whatever date the first game may be, you're refereeing that game and then become the 12th of November that same game is refereed in a different circumstance. So mm-hmm. a decision that can be given against you on August the 12th, doesn't yeah. get against you on November the 13th, is entirely different. That's going to cause teams within the Premier League, obviously, relegation, promotion, top six, European places, winning the championship. It's an entirely different game. You cannot do that. That that goes against the whole ethos of football. Yeah. Yourself, me, we grew up wee boys, we played football in the public park. It's the same rules that should be applied from day one to day ten. You yeah. cannot do that. It's entirely, entirely wrong. And I think from what we've seen regarding the, the VAR interventions, again, are very indiscriminate. They're, they're, they're not consistent. 
what does that make of the league this year? What what does it make? Do you know what? Just hold off, run all these trials in the background. Yes, have VAR at games. Do your, as I've said, do your education, do your training, coach these guys, show them what you expect and what you don't expect. And do you know what? See, come July next year, we've got a wee pre-season, we can do it again. Mm-hmm. Come August, we start, we're fresh, we're ready to go. Do know it was forced in and it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the other one, quickly, uh, is there evidence that it's improved the game in countries where it has been used for, for five or six years or, or at least a few seasons? I don't think there's, well, certainly not that I'm aware of, has there been any particular evidence. Um, I think obviously the English Premier League through Match of the Day and Sky Sports are, are showing that they are they're ahead of the game um, and, and they're showing decisions. Um, so, no, I don't think that I'm aware of, don't think there's any particular evidence, but I think the way it's working up here at the moment, probably don't, don't like it. I think it's actually hindered our game at the moment. Oh yeah, because, absolutely. Because, because we're not getting it right. So again, I think that in, um, backs up the fact that don't bring it in halfway. Don't do it. Don't do it half assed Do it right. On a lighter note, um, after the game, I just I meant to mention this earlier. So um, we were obviously chatting with Ryan, and he and he said I, w- I was waving at you, and you just ignored me. And my girlfriend said, "Is that how he gave away the penalty?" I was like, "What?" Was it, was he, he, he was he was waving at you. I was like, "That would have been amazing if you Ryan must have been had... in the cold, you must have been in the coldest stand up there. <laughs> There's no go there." Just imagine Ryan McGowan waving at me and the ball comes in and hits him in the hat. Oh, he definitely wouldn't be coming back on the podcast if that had happened. Anyway, it just it tickled me at the time. Des, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, thank you very much for 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 giving your insight. If I didn't expect to come on the Hearts podcast and be arguing for the Hearts penalty against us saying it wasn't a penalty. <laughs> As I say, I didn't expect that myself. But listen, always said or give an opinion it's up to yourself whether you take it or not so um, no, not at all at all gentlemen well thanks keep for your time good, um, and keep up the good work on the podcast as well because anyone who doesn't listen please do because it's a really good listen and um, there's there's no sitting on the fence with that one it's, it's very enjoyable so yeah uh, tune in to Get Involved Referee the podcast you can get it on all the usual podcast apps you can follow them on Twitter at Get Involved Ref uh, that's with the former grade one referees in Scotland Des Roach who've just joined us and Steve Conroy You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s well we're we are well into added time that board that showed seven minutes um <laughs> has, has gone well beyond it now uh, we really do appreciate um former referee des uh uh coming and joining us of course giving his insight and uh, it was really good to chat to him and i i think i'll listen to a few more of those uh podcasts and i think i'd recommend others too as well you should i mean des roach steve conroy lindsay Heron as well. It's a very good product, and and they're open, they're honest, and then Des was saying that maybe especially Steve Conroy didn't leave the SFA and and leave the game the way he would have liked, um, which 
it's it's sad. Uh, I thought Steve had a lot more to to offer, um, but I, I love the the open um, the openness and, and the honesty. And as, as Des said, he's just he's given what he thinks. It might not be what others think, but that that's that's what you're after. When we don't have access to Crawford Allen, I said we as in anybody has access to referees, chiefs, and phone them up and say whatever, and they don't come out and say things. Then it's left to um, to to kind of referees. Former referees to to come in and um and and kind of give their opinion and, and say things and we appreciate that we certainly do uh, so we've not got much time left but we of course have to mention the next game Heart of Midlothian against Hibernian uh, the New Year's game the greatest game in history of course it's not on New Year's Day unfortunately it is the second but um, what a big game it's always a big game but after Hibs were trounced by Celtic. And after Hearts had that very positive result, it's of course put Hearts up into third place in the table. Um, and it really gives them a chance here to to put themselves in a good position. Aberdeen have Ross County, you know, it's hard to read how that one will go. But in terms of certain teams below us, um, Hibernian being one of the rivals, we're five ahead of them with the game in hand. Um, if we can win, we'll be at least three points clear still of the chasing pack. Um and bigger than anything, it's the Edinburgh Derby. We we can see that late equaliser early in the season. Our players really should be up for this one. I've written a piece for the, the programme on behalf of, of Scars Around the Funnel, which allowed mm-hmm. me to delve into the history of the fixture. It's the 11th time that an Edinburgh Derby has been played on the 2nd of January. Hearts have only won two of the previous ten. The majority, half of them, have been drawn, five out of ten. And it's also the first time that the two sides have met at Tynecastle on the 2nd of January for exactly 20 years. Mm-hmm. You might remember that game. Uh, I, I certainly do. Uh, a certain Graham Weir made himself a hero. He did, uh, and it's it's weird that in a in a a season where we've thumped our rivals five one, um, a derby debutant has scored four goals and still didn't get man of the match. That isn't the biggest win or the most remembered win of the season. It was like every derby that season was better than the last one. I didn't think we were particularly great at Easter Road, but we pulled it out. Um, Jancic and through ball to stamp and and the wind down there. And then it wasn't until I was writing that piece and I, I watched the highlights of, of the 4-4 game. If you'd asked me who scored to put Hibs 3-2 up, I wouldn't have had a clue. I couldn't have told you. I commentated on it, but that, I mean, that is that should be, in the 89th minute, that should be the winning goal in most games. And if it's a winning goal in an Edinburgh derby, then you're not going to forget about it in a hurry. But there were still three more goals to come in added time after Craig James got <laughs> that goal. Uh, it was just, it was an incredible ending. And, I mean, looking back now, we got a point. It felt like a win. They shot themselves in the foot. They had kickoff after 4-3 when I said there was a minute left and there was a maximum of a minute left. And they just they conceded the most unnecessary free kick. Um, if I remember rightly, was it Roddy McKenzie in goal 
And it was going to yes. be taken by a defender, first of all. And I think it did it end up being taken by Roddy? I'll need to check that again. But you kind of thought, well, hurry up, just get the ball forward. And I mean, Graham Weir in there. And it, it's quite it's it's ironic. We we spoke with Gary Wales on our previous podcast. Had Gary Wales not have been injured a couple of weeks beforehand, the likelihood is he would have been the player coming off the bench before Graham Weir. But things are slightly strange in football at times, and, and Graham Weir played the role of Wayne Foster, a, a bit of a journeyman player with hearts, but he'll forever be remembered for uh, his goals, Wayne his goal, in uh, in an Edinburgh derby. Yes, yeah, so will, will there be a, a Wayne Foster or a Graham Weir type hero this time around? Hearts are still missing quite a few players. Um, as we know, I think... Kingsley is currently a, a doubt, but Robbie Nielsen is refusing to rule him out. It does depend on um, how he progresses with the concussion, following all the concussion protocols, of course. In terms of the team, Mark, are you, mm-hmm. you think Robbie will keep the three, the three, four, one, two kind of shape, three, four, three sort of shape? Do you think he'll try and keep it similar to the team that played against St Johnston? There was a telling interview with him after was it? I think it was a Dundee United game, and he basically said we have our preferred shape. And when we have players available to play in that shape, that will be the shape that we use. That's the 3-4-3, 3-4-2-1, call it what you like. That allows your wing-backs to get forward in support to try and uh, overrun the opposition in the middle of the field, wing-backs cutting inside. I think it's three at the back, but he made five changes for that game at St. Johnston. So what do you think he does with his his lineup, you've got a goal scorer in Alan Forrest. Does he start? I don't think so. Uh, I think I, Michael Smith, I think Michael I, Smith yeah. maybe comes in. I think the team I thought was bringing Smith into the right and okay. bringing Mackay in for Grant. So um, I think that's fair. Uh, that's probably the two changes I'd make as well. Yeah, Clark and goal, Civic, Rose, Cochran across the back three, Smith and Halliday either side, Devlin and Snodgrass continue in the middle, Mackay supporting Shanklin and Janelli. And you can also you can obviously rearrange Shanklin, Janelli, Mackay to oh, suit how the game's going. But that, well, I would... Question, question for like you. Mm-hmm. Question for you. Kingsley's fit, hypothetically. We don't know if he is or he isn't. If Kingsley yep. says, I'm fit, do you start him? Because the only one you could really start him for is Toby Civic. And you then have three left-sided or left-footed centre-backs. So what what do you do if it's those three? Um, it's a difficult one. Uh, that is a very difficult one. I wouldn't want to have the three left-footers in there. So um, a, a challenge that... It's difficult because you'd almost, early in the season, I would have said put Cochrane left-wing back, take Halliday out, but Halliday's been terrific. So Not touching Halliday. He starts. I don't, don't have an answer. Uh, my suspicion, my feeling would be that Kingsley won't make it, but that's not based on any. I think it'd be in the bench, it. and I think that's probably best because otherwise you give yourself a headache. And I, I think you're right. I, I think three three left footed centre backs gives you a particular headache. Um, I, I'm glad that Boyle's not playing for them. Really glad because Portius, in, uh, Portius suspended. Portius as well. suspended is a big one. Kevin Nisbet, good player. Really good player. Got to watch him. Dangerous again, yeah. I just it, we we need to protect a little bit better. Devlin and Snodgrass in, in there. This is a Cammy Devlin type game, but you can't get too carried away. You can't forget that he's got a job to do along with Snodgrass. Got to protect. 
because that's a back three that is not our first choice back three, but was exposed um, in both Perth and at Tanadai. So, yeah, it, it, interesting. I, I, I want to take the game to them. I wouldn't be taking out Ginelli or Mackay or something and putting an extra man in midfield. But you know what? It, it wouldn't surprise me if that's something that that Robbie did. Not something I wouldn't do, but I, I he'll have looked to the opposition in depth, and his lineup will be partly based on Hearts having momentum, but also the best lineup he thinks to go against Hibernian. So don't be surprised if you get one sneaky little. Oh, I wasn't expecting that one. Who would that be? That's a different question. Yep. Okay. So give me a give me a. Score and a goal scorer prediction. Go for it. I'm fairly confident for for this one. I don't like to be confident going into a derby, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go. I'm going to go two nil um, for Hearts, and I'm going to go Alex Cochran as one of the goal scorers. Mm, interesting. What about you? Well, I'm just looking at Hibs. I mean, five away defeats in the road, six away at Celtic, four away at Aberdeen. Stop um, this, I hate Dungeon that. Man. No, no, no. I, I can't, I, I still think we'll concede a goal just now. I, I still feel like, partly because of absences, but we still aren't quite settled at the back. But, I don't like to be overconfident. But you know what? Fuck it. 4-1 <laughs> hearts. Wow. 4-1 hearts. I remember we beat we beat Hibs 4-1 at Easter Road. Was it 89? I think it was. Wow. I mean, I, I mocked you for your Kelly prediction and you, you came close with that. Honestly, I think if Four we one. get an early goal, if we get an early goal, oh, I'm excited about this one. Barry McKay is going to score again. Okay. He's going to be back in a starting 11. He's got his mojo back. He's going to okay. score a lovely goal. Um, okay. okay. And we'll win 4-1. Why not? Do we, um, in a bang. Yeah. do we know who the who the referee is for the derby? Uh, Kevin Clancy. Yes. Kevin Clancy. Uh, uh, he's a meh. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even get too much caught up in it too much because they, <laughs> I've seen so many bad displays from, from all of Can them. Can we not have Stevie Conroy or Des Roach in the man in the middle? Um, I don't know if that would be allowed now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not after being on a Hearts podcast. By the way, and something I forgot to mention with um, with with Des, I didn't know until I read it, um, we were speaking earlier about Bob Valentine, the, the former referee from Dundee. Bob Valentine was fourth official at the second leg of the 1987 UEFA Cup final between Dundee United and Gothenburg. That would never mm. happen these days. They, no, be, they, didn't, they didn't have... It wasn't a case of if boards or anything like that. It was basically if the referee or any of his assistants get hurt, then the yeah. next man... It was a next man up. But that was Bob Valentine for a UEFA Cup final involving the home team. There you go. Anyway, well, there's... Pointless bit of trivia at the end of our bumper, <laughs> a bumper exactly. episode, as if we've not kept you long enough. If you've if you've made it this long, then thank you very much for tuning in to this episode and yes. to all the other episodes in 2022. It was a good start to the year. 
And it's been a good end. So we're hoping for something similar to start 2023. We will be back in the new year to talk about Hibs against Hearts and the Big Edinburgh Derby. If you want to get in touch in the meantime, you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or you can get us on Twitter at aroundthefunnel. In the meantime, a happy new year to everyone. Enjoy the Hogmanay celebrations. Enjoy Tynecastle on the second. Come on, the hearts! Something strange in the neighborhood.